Welcome to the Brown Posey Press Show, part of the Books Big Network, a program dedicated to independent and self-published authors. This show will examine new and unique works of literature, learn about their creators, and discuss the industry. And now your host, Tori Gates. My guest today is an artist who is self-taught plus an author. Brandon Collier has created a children's book, The Gnome Knight. A gnome named Ferdinand goes off on a journey and has adventures. We'll find out about him and more about what Brandon brings us from his home in York Haven, Pennsylvania. Brandon, welcome. Hi. And uh, first things first, we have to talk a little bit, uh, because you and I met uh, at one of the uh, conventions up in Northwest PA, and then I ran into you again uh, right over the bridge from me at the Farm Show Complex. So uh, it's kind of like a small town, isn't it? We all sort of just bounce around and we just keep running into each other. Yep. It's it's nice because a lot of the conventions and stuff, people, you know, get to meet each other over and over again. So that makes it nice and convenient uh, when you're trying to make contacts. And that's really what it is for a lot of them, at least for me anyway. It's it's not so much the sales, it's it's the contacts you make, but it's also the friends you make too, because it's it's really cool to go to different places and suddenly there's a familiar display. There's somebody I know, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Also a bit comforting. <laughs> yeah, I do I do enjoy the this area and you know, what the convention you were talking about, like with them working in two different states, it kind of same people work at the same conventions. Yeah, it, it's the Four Con convention for those who are listening. Uh, they are in Hagerstown, Maryland, and they've also just moved to the Farm Show Complex this past year. I think that definitely has some potential from talking with uh, different friends. I, I thought it was a, I thought it was pretty well run, and that was my first time ever at a Four Con, so uh, I thought that they were really cool. Yeah, Four State's pretty good. Uh, they 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 have a tendency to like, you know, go around and actually talk to the vendors and find out uh, how they're doing, as well as, like, at the end of the con, they'll go around asking them, like, if there's anything that they, you know, want to see changed in the future. And if, you know, they think it warrants a a look into, they definitely do it. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to ask you a little bit more about what I see at the events from you, your graphic and your really interesting prints, but we need to talk about Ferdinand. Uh, Why the book? What brought him on? So I've always wanted to write uh, a book and, you know, as I kind of grew up, I've drawn a lot, um, but never really did it seriously. It was more just a hobby. Like, I like this picture, so I'm going to draw it. And I'd always like started writing stories in high school. And once I had kids, I have a son who's eight and a daughter who's six. I thought it would be fun to write a story that we could read at bedtime that they might enjoy and that I would be okay reading and not feeling like I'm being bored out of my mind. So um, Ferdinand was born from the idea of just trying to make a story that my kids could enjoy and that we could enjoy reading. Mm-hmm. Um, did, uh, did the kids give you an idea of like what they'd like to see or who they, who they thought of? No, actually it was, it was a surprise for them because I started drawing the character, um, from, I was watching somebody else on uh Twitch and they were working on a gnome character and I thought, oh, I should, like, I want to draw my own gnome character. So I did. And 
I it went from like this little gnome and I gave him a, a knight's visor and I was like, well, what if he had like a little backstory? And that's kind of where the inspiration came from was just one random instance that led into a nice little story. Mm-hmm. And Ferdinand just comes across as a gnome with a bit of a difference. He has kind of a a very adventurous spirit and it's he's it, it's interesting how in just a few pages you can you can build a character and like he's got say you pulled it off. Yeah. Like I I wanted to write something that I thought um not only would be like fun for a kid to read but also maybe leave like a little bit of a lesson. So with Ferdinand being different but um, I thought maybe that could help other people who have felt different in the past and, you know, let people decide who they were going to be based on their opinions instead of uh, their own. I think that's probably one of the reasons we write or that we create. It's like we're I've always said this. We build the world we want to see, the one we want to live in. And it lets you be accepted. It lets you be the person you wanted to be or the person you maybe once were, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, without giving all of the man's adventure, hanging a little bit, so I assume we're going to see more of him. Yeah, I actually have um, two more stories already written. I just need to uh, illustrate the pages so that I can get them done. Um, but yeah, he makes a, he makes a friend, um, by the end of the story and that friend and he go out on adventures to, um, like kind of basically help the world. And it's nice because they never had anybody that was willing to kind of do that with them before. So it's a a new experience for both of them and they both have kind of more stories that can have a simple story. A simple meaning to it, but also have a little bit of, you know, subtext behind it. Mm -hmm. And the artwork in itself, I could see little traces of your own style from uh, just seeing what you had in in years past. And uh, it's an exacting at times art. Now, I I claim to know nothing about it, but there's a lot of work uh, in every page, in every layout, I would assume. Yeah, so... The, the fun thing about like illustrating a kid's book is figuring out where the detail needs to go. And the nice thing about uh, working with that kind of style where you, you're very simplistic but also can be detailed is it's kind of mind-boggling where you're like, oh, if I just do this little bit of thing, then they can fill in their own imagination about like how it is. But there's other pages where you want to put more detail into it. And then you got to look at it and say, oh, is that going to really show up on the page? And are they going to pay attention to it? So, you know, it's it's a give and a take. But I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. And it was definitely a learning experience because I had never illustrated a book before. So it was brand new for me. And uh, there was a little bit of learning curves for the program that I was using. Uh, so that was, you know, that was fun too. Mm-hmm. And, um, how'd your kids handle it? Oh, they, they loved it. We read it. Um, and all the kids so far that I've heard back that have read it really enjoyed it and are excited about future books. I want to ask you a little more about that down the road. We're talking with Brandon Collier. Ferdinand the Gnome Knight is his new book. 
We'll be back. Stay with us. Sunbury Press Books brings you the work of independent authors and serves readers, young and old alike. Speckled Egg Press is our juvenile nonfiction imprint. Check out the works from authors like Holly Garner, author of the Letters from Leo series, The Mouse with the Broken Tail by Dan Shutters, or The Adventures of Solomon Screech Owl, brought to us by Beth Lancione. Click on the Books tab at sunburypress.com and find authors and books you'll want to know. My guest is Brandon Collier, Ferdinand the Gnome Knight, a children's book, his latest creation. And Brandon, of course, we were talking about artwork and the prints and uh, the sort of recreations and original work that you show at events. Let's talk about you and begin with you as to where did you come from? What was your environment like growing up uh, for this sort of thing? Um, I mean... Growing up, uh, my family is very nerdy. Uh, we were big movie people, so a lot of the time that I spent, like growing up, was like movies and video games and us kind of hanging out as a family. Um, but I, I'm one of those. I, I feel like I was a binge watcher before binge watching was a thing. Okay. Because the way that my dad used to uh, record movies was he would record something off the TV but he would record on like slow, long play. So you could fit like five or six movies on one VHS. Mm -hmm. So I would find a VHS that had several movies that I was interested in. And I would put that in and just watch. And while I was watching, you know, the movies, I'd either draw or be writing or something. And like my dad, you know, when he was in school, he was big into art and he did a lot of stuff with that him. And just kind of established, like, I really liked comic book characters when I was growing up and video game characters. So I did a lot of drawings of those. And then as I got older, you know, learned a few things that I really should have paid attention to in art class (laughs) and pushed myself more um, on my own instead of, like, having a class that I could go to. So that's that's kind of where things went. It started nerdy and, you know, working up from there. Well, let's talk about some of those inspirations. Uh, what kind of uh, comic books, what kind of uh, comic characters were you into? Are we talking, of course, the ones that you bought off the rack or saw on TV or which? Um, we're talking like X-Men, like original X-Men characters. Okay. Uh, Nightcrawler was always one of my favorites. Venom was always fun. Wolverine, you know, the, the, the normal ones that you grow up with. And I used to watch the X-Men cartoon from the nineties, like pretty consistently. So a lot of the stuff that I did, uh, starting was like drawing pictures of like very poor, poor pictures of Venom, like from the, the chest up. And they was just basically a big, uh, <laughs> big oblong shape, <laughs> and kind of grown from there but yeah a lot of the stuff that i i started with was finding pictures in like gamer magazines and drawing those pictures on um like a big sketch pad that's cool and how about gaming because it's like um my parents were a bit older than me i was the last in line in the family so they never were really too much into it. They didn't discourage me from playing and stuff like that, but they didn't quite get it. It was a little, they were more pinball people and I was an Atari kid. 
Yeah, my my parents, like my dad, still plays games. Um, he plays mostly like MMOs and stuff mm-hmm. uh, online. I don't think like, he used to play World of Warcraft a lot, but he he stopped playing that um, once it got to a certain point. But yeah, he's always been like one for gaming. But the, the the issue he always had was if he ever got stuck, I was able to figure out what was going on in the game to help him out. And sometimes he was happy about that, and sometimes he wasn't. I can see that. Um, and there's another thing too. I mean, I it's it's funny because I wrote about this in one of my books some years ago about a kid who had been discouraged by his father because of what he was drawing and. I remembered my drawing was very, very poor when I was a young kid, and I would do these repetitive drawings of s- specific things. And my father saw me doing it one time, and he he just didn't understand why. I, he wasn't so much really angry with me or anything like that, but I sort of got this feeling of, like, he does not understand me. And I think a lot of that was something that I began to use later, but only in word form. Instead of drawing... I just started writing more and coming up with story ideas as a kid. And I think that's probably where I was going to gravitate to anyway. Uh, I just think it's, it's it's really cool that you've got folks that were into those things and introduced you and were really encouraging. I mean, you can't ask for much more than that. Yeah. I, I try to do the same thing for my kids um, in regards to finding out what they're interested in. Um, my daughter really likes to draw and to paint a lot and my son likes to sketch and he likes to like think of ideas for things. Um, but he's, he doesn't do it as much as my daughter does. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, if you want to be an artist like I am, then that's fine. Uh, but you know, I'm not going to force you to do that. Right. Right. And the other thing too, is that, um, it's kind of fun to watch. It's really fun to watch because uh, I don't have any kids myself, but um, my two nephews were both incredibly artistic. And uh, they got it from a father who was an, who had an architect's degree and was also a very good artist. And then their mom was a fashion designer. So it was like you knew something was coming out of these two kids. And it was really cool to watch from a distance. I was like, they can go anywhere with this. And they both did and it's uh i I think it's we have to really think about what what, you know we have to really watch our kids and really watch where they're getting it from because there's there there's so many doors that can be opened and that's one thing i always try to tell younger people when uh at events they ask me how do you do this how do you put books together and i just tell them you know i give them the benefit of not much i just tell them that this is what i do and i just love doing it and as long as you have a love for it and you get a good feeling out of it, go for it. Yeah. I think a lot of people mis- misinterpret the practice makes perfect because it doesn't. It's practice makes better. Right. Like you you only get better at something if you practice at it. And if you don't practice, you can't get any better. So I think like when I tell people a lot when they ask me about my art, like, well, how did you get to where you're at? And it's like, well, I just kept drawing and learning new things. Because if you stop learning, then you're not growing. So it just it's one of those things that people hear, but sometimes they don't listen to. Right. 
And so is there any specific way that you do that, that you look for the new, do you, that you pick up something new or you, you view it and suddenly realize, hey, that's something I don't know? Do you consciously do that or does it just come to you? Um, sometimes it's like a lot of the things that I do are I'm following artists on like Instagram or Facebook or TikTok and seeing how people are doing things and, you know, trying to figure out, okay, do they have uh, something out saying this is how I did that or, you know, how can I figure out how to do that? So that's the wonderful thing about Google and YouTube and all those search engines that you can use is that if you have a question about something, you can most likely find the answer on one of the different you know, uh, multimedias that's out there. And that's going to lead us into what I want to ask you about and discuss on the next break. Brandon Collier's been with us here. He is the author of Ferdinand the Gnome Knight, a new children's book, and we'll talk about his artwork as well here on the Brown Posey Press Show. Stay with us. Sunbury Press Books is the home of independent and diverse authors. Check out the agency books imprint for detective stories, tales of law enforcement, espionage, terrorism, spy thrillers, and more. Among the works available, KGB Banker by William Burton McCormick, The Apologist, a Luke Lundy novel by A.A. Weiss, and Douglas Brody's Sand or A Once Upon a Time in the Jazz Age. Find these and other fascinating books at sunburypress.com. Brandon Collier is my guest, author of Ferdinand the Gnome Knight, and we'll talk about his artwork as well here. Now, we were discussing uh, the the beauty of, of the online world using Google, using search engines. And one of the things that uh, I do as an author is I try to make friends uh, with other authors that are not on the Sunbury Press label, which is our parent company, and make friends... Uh, across uh, the boundaries a little bit on social media and elsewhere, because I always find myself getting turned on to a new author, getting turned on to a new style or a new, even like a new muse or something. And uh, it's, um, it's kind of like walking into a market. It's like, look at all these people who have something to talk to you about. It's kind of neat. I, I, I agree. Like, a lot of the different social medias that are out there really help people to kind of connect in a way that they really couldn't before. And I know that like Twitch and TikTok have really kind of uh, brought out some things. And as, as much as algorithms, you know, have tendency to not help people, you know, somebody is seeing something. So, you know, trying and trying to get things is, can be downhearting, uh, like, you can get downhearted about it, but I think that as long as you're willing to try, then, you know, you're at least making a positive move forward. Mm-hmm. And that's leading us into that, that new frontier, so to speak. I mean, with all of the negative backlash to TikTok and that sort of thing, this is a tough part. And when I, when I was younger, I know that if there was social media, I'd probably be a mess, but, I have had some friends, and one of them uh, was at one of the events we were at about three years ago, once or twice. And you know, their their sibling told me they pretty much walked off of social media entirely because they were just getting just trashed by people because of what they were doing or the ideas they had. And uh, I don't think it's it's not just sensitivity. There's something else at work there, but it is. 
sometimes the most harsh criticism that you get. And how hard is it for even adults to navigate that? Uh, I've, I've had to learn over the years myself to just ignore as much of it as I can when you realize some of these people don't have a damn thing to say, but sometimes it's difficult, isn't it? Yeah. I know that like, I, based on like where I'm at with social media, like I'm not anywhere close to being like blown up or like big in any sense of the word. Um, but I, I feel like even if I were, I would probably have an easier time than most just because of how I've had to establish myself. Like, people come up to you at conventions and they're like oh yeah my son can draw he could probably draw something like that or my daughter can do that or you know something and it's things that you kind of have to brush off like yeah they they think they know what they're talking about but they don't because they don't know all the hours that it took in the in-between even for you know the kids that they think oh yeah my kids can draw like that like yeah because they put in time to do that right so i think a lot of people want to add their two cents to something because they want to feel important and if we feed into the negative responses then we're just we're just help do that involuntarily yeah i i I think you're right i think it is it is i don't think everybody means harm i think it's just it's just something they say Maybe it's because they don't have anything to say or they don't know what to or or as you say, maybe they're just trying to sort of connect to it. Um, yeah, it's when it comes to books, it's it's the trend I'm seeing is the hardest. The hardest thing for me is to get somebody I'm, to say when, when they say to you, oh, I don't read much anymore or I haven't picked up a book since I was in college or I haven't picked up a book since I left high school. That is disheartening, and when you see the the trends of that. But I always will say to them right away, I'll be like, well, you stopped. You stopped and you looked. So my hope is then, what can I get you to pick it up? You, some, you saw something, tell me what. And then you hope you can sell a little bit, or at least, yeah. at least get them to open up a, a, again a little bit. Because we do have lives, and they're crazy sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think like at at shows like at a convention the the biggest thing that i i seem to enjoy more obviously selling stuff is nice but the idea that i can have a conversation with somebody about something that they're interested in i think makes them remember like the like the event that they're at or the time that they're having a little bit more because i know when i to attend conventions like if i could talk to somebody that was an artist or you know an author it was it was fun because i got to hear like their excitement when they're talking about something that they were interested in or you know mentioning something that i was interested in they'd be like oh that's cool and talking so i feel like the more we can do that at you know events or just in general like meeting somebody like what are you into what are your hobbies which is like one of my favorite questions to ask somebody when I first meet them, like, okay, what are your hobbies? And it's really surprising how many people are like, Oh, I don't have any hobbies. It's like, well, what do you do for fun? It's like, Oh, well I do this. It's like, well then I would classify that as a hobby. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, well I, d- I don't do it a lot. And it's like, that's, 
fine. So it's just interesting to see how people think of themselves when you ask them a question. They're, you know, slightly confused because people don't do that anymore. Yeah, uh, it's the same thing I ask about is I always ask, well, what do you what do you like to read? What are you into for that? And if you get people who do read and then suddenly they do tell you that they read things, that they do read certain subjects, they do read certain things. And they I guess they were thinking it's like, well, you know, uh, his books must be really thick and really serious and all that. And I'm like, no, (laughs) I take I take what I do seriously. Yes, but only to a point. Uh, My books are supposed to, yes, entertain you and give you a sense of fun. But yeah, I do hope they make you think a little bit. And I hope you find somebody you like in there. But it's 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 not terribly serious. I'm I'm trying not to take myself too seriously. That's the main thing. Yeah. And um, I have to ask now, uh, you had um, been doing some online tutorial work, and I've got a couple of friends who do it. I, When I was researching for this, I watched you doing, um, I don't know if it was on Twitch or what I saw, but it was you doing some coloring in and talking about the character. When did you start doing that? And tell me about the feedback you get on it. Um, I think I started doing that, let's see, it was about two years ago. I had started doing Twitch and basically it was to kind of broaden my horizons, like socially, uh, like through social media. And I thought I'll try, I'll try Twitch. Like there, there are a couple artists on there. Um, the only issue that I had was like, there, there weren't a lot of people showing up around the time that I was on and I could only really afford to do it like one day a week. But what I was doing on there was, you know, working on stuff that I needed to get done and talking to people uh, about like what I was doing. So, you know, explaining like, okay, this is the program I'm in. This is why I'm doing this or this is why I'm doing that. Explaining like this is how I build my characters. Like I, you know, sometimes I start with a shape or sometimes I start with an idea and then I try to build that. And it, it was kind of fun because it was basically just me talking to myself. Cause if, if nobody was there, it was just me. <laughs> so, you know, it's just the inner voice that I have when I normally draw anyway. And that's fine. I, I have the inner voice when I write and sometimes it talks back to me. So there you have it. Yeah. I have to ask you now, um, because of the concerns with digital AI, artificial intelligence and, there's this kind of a future shock concern that I remember seeing in a documentary 40 years ago when I was still in high school, which was really intriguing even then. And now we're seeing it almost manifest. What do you think about this? And what do you think of the concerns folks have that this might take our work away, that we might lose like really serious originality? What do you, what do you think of it? I think like the the parts that I'm seeing the most right now is, you know, seeing people using AI for um like the how oh, was it? Chat GPT that's like you, you talk to it and you ask questions and it basically searches all of the internet to find answers for things. Um and the idea that, you know, kids that understand how to use that and can use it for writing papers and things like that it's going to be similar to like when i was growing up where people were you know basically going on and purchasing people's pictures like uh their papers 
And I think AI is going to keep growing, whether people want it to or not, because it's already there. The technology is there. We're just going to have to learn how to adapt around it. I don't agree with how people are using it to kind of pull from other people's work. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I've seen artists that use it with their own art as the basis of where the AI is getting its information. And there's a degree where like right now where it's at, where things are really high def and you've got lots of stuff where it's really high def, but then there's other parts of the same image that are really grainy and gritty and they're pixelated because it's done in, you know, layers that the AI doesn't understand. Okay. These should all be the same but they're not. Mm-hmm. So it's things that, you know, we're going to see people, you know, adjusting AI because that's just the direction that we're heading. And I don't agree with how things are going um, with, you know, how they're planning on doing stuff with movies and stuff where they're trying to say, Oh, we don't need the actor anymore because we can just AI generate somebody yeah. Uh, and, you know, basically use your image forever and not have to pay you. Yeah. And you lose the human element. You lose the emotional element if you're just using it like, a, you know, like a screen or like a holographic thing. It's just not cool. I just doesn't it doesn't turn me on. Yeah, I'm not like a huge fan of AI. I think that um, it definitely uh, it definitely is going to keep growing. And I think that if we if we don't adapt to it, we're going to kind of lose, um, kind of lose something special that both artists and authors and just like actors in general can provide. And I think that if, if we're not willing to kind of sit back and realize that they're, you know, the experience that those people have is actually beneficial versus, it's just easier to use an AI. I was like, yeah, of course, because you're putting the experience that other people had into it, but you're not getting the same level of care. Right. Well, in the moment that we have left, uh, what is next for you? Where will we be seeing you? And um, when will... Um, all the art that I post, I always post to Instagram. I have uh, stuff on TikTok. I haven't done Twitch in a while because I started a new job and the time frame for how things work has hasn't been really uh fine-tuned yet so i haven't been able to go back to that but um definitely like anytime i'm sketching something i'll post it on instagram and tiktok um so like on on instagram it's at the brandon collier uh it's a picture of me on the top with uh, my wife and kids and then on tiktok i think it's whip illustrations uh so that's the the title that I use when I'm working on stuff at conventions. It's works in progress illustrations and people shorten it to whip. All right. Last question for you. Uh, what advice do you have for someone who's thinking about getting into this, even if it's just a simple idea or they want to know how to step forward? What's the best piece of advice you can give? I would say don't let other people dictate how you start drawing or start writing um, because 
a lot of times when you're writing or you're drawing, it's based off of something that you enjoy already. And a lot of people I feel uh, get discouraged by using references uh, when they're drawing because people think like other people who don't know how art works think that it's cheating. Um, references are great for helping you get started. Now, don't obviously go out and copy or plagiarize anything for, you know, to make profit, but using references to help you build your own muscle memory or art memory, you know, writing helps everything to kind of grow. And if you don't let yourself realize that things are going to be tough unless you use something to help you, then it's going to be a tough journey all around. All right. Brandon Collier has been my guest. Uh, His artwork, his prints, and his other areas of expertise are available for all to see. Brandon, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it being on that. You've been listening to the Brown Posey Press Show with your host, Tori Gates. Find his works, including Searching for Roy Buchanan, Call It Love, and Shake Hands with the Devil, along with more independent authors of fiction and nonfiction at sunburypress.com. Thank you for listening. This is the BookSpeak Network.